11FS is supported by Banking Circle. Connect to the fastest, most cost-efficient and transparent payment solution available in the market. Have you checked out Under the Hood yet? In this bespoke 10-part podcast series in association with Synapse, 11FS co-founder Simon Taylor and Synapse CEO Sanket Pathak take an in-depth look into the world of banking services, covering topics such as card issuance, financial crime, banking licenses, payments, crypto, and more. You can listen to all 10 episodes now via 11fs.com forward slash podcasts or just search for Under the Hood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. My name is David Breer and in today's episode, I'm gonna be looking at progressive regulation. What does that mean? What does it do actually in practice? What geographies are currently progressive in this area? And how important really is it for fintech innovation? To dig into this a little bit more, we've got, as always, some super awesome guests making his welcome return to Fintech Insider. First up, we have Dennis Gouven, who is the CEO and Executive Board Director of Moxbank. Welcome back, Dennis, how are you doing? I'm very well, David. How are you? Really good, really good. I've had my COVID jab. I'm feeling pretty good about life, so uh, you know, all well. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, just to just to get going, if they haven't been uh, looking out there into the the wide world, tell us a little bit more about Mox. Sure, sure, David. Um, Mox is a new bank. You know, it's a licensed bank in Hong Kong. As you know, also you know, thanks to you and you know, Eleven FS team. You know, they, you guys, you know, help us. You know, a lot. You know. I'm talking about, you know, two years ago. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, we look at, you know, the opportunities in Hong Kong and we jump to that, you know, the, the virtual banking, you know, license wagon. And, you know, we look at, you know, all the opportunities, you know, we got our license, we created, you know, and we built the, the technology from scratch and we launched the bank, you know, in September last year. Um, it's a new bank, licensed bank. I don't want to call it like, you know, digital challenger, Neo, whatever, you know, it's a bank. Um, what we are trying to do here is, you know, actually it's a great market. You know, the total population is 7.4 million. It's a small population, but it's one of the most profitable bank, you know, in terms of banking, you know, it's one of the most profitable market in the world. Um, there are a lot of, you know, um, products here. Unfortunately, you know, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, immaturity, you know, in terms of, uh, the services, digital services end to end. So that's why this new bank, you know, Mox Bank, um, I think, you know, we are creating, you know, some sort of a difference. After 220 days, we just reached, you know, 110,000 customers, uh, which is a good number in terms of, um, Hong Kong uh, size. Why? Because, you know, 110,000 customers, which means, you know, 1.4% of total bankable, you know, population of Hong Kong. Um, we got, you know, 5.6 billion Hong Kong dollar in a deposit, which is almost, you know, 1 billion uh, USD in a deposit base. Uh, we just launched our, you know, credit card. It's a different credit card. You know, we may talk about it, you know, later. Uh, we integrated, you know, with Hong Kong Telecom with some real-time services. We just started... But it's, it's interesting, but we are actually, you know, our STP, you know, straight through process is like, you know, seven seconds. We are, you know, giving, you know, decision making, you know, in this market in seven seconds, you know, which is a great thing. 
Um, Mox is trying to be you know, a, a bigger bank in Hong Kong, uh, and we will deliver you know, some new products and services. But we can discuss you know, all these things later. Very good. I mean, it's, uh, it's great to see it going so well, and uh, definitely we'll be unpacking some of that in a, in a second. But from somebody who's taking advantage of new regulation in, in this space to somebody who's creating it. So uh, making her uh, welcome return to the show, we have Francesca Hopwood-Road, who is Head of RegTech and Advanced Analytics at the FCA. How are you doing? I am very well indeed. Thank you, David. It's really nice to be here with uh, some very well-known people to me and some new uh, colleagues as well. So I'm very pleased to be back. Uh, do you want to give anybody uh, who hasn't got the, the context, uh, I mean, what does the acronym, the FCA, stand for if you're living on the other side of the world, but also a little bit of an insight into uh, your role on a day-to-day basis? Yes. So uh, Financial Conduct Authority, for anyone who does not know that, uh, when it was the FSA, uh, there was always a slight challenge that we might be the Food Standards Agency. Uh, so clearly that name change has uh, helped uh, differentiate. Um, well, it's it stopped really weird packages coming through the post, I guess, you know, like uh, the <laughs> Yeah. The, the overlap on mail is at yeah, least resolved, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Um, that, that, that's definitely something uh, that, that has changed. Um, and my team, RegTech and Advanced Analytics, we sit within the FCA's innovation division. And my team's role is kind of threefold, really. Uh, clearly, RegTech in terms of convening and, and engaging with the RegTech ecosystem to understand its pain points, its challenges, uh, where uh, regulatory kind of uh, engagement might be of interest. Um, the advanced analytics side of my shop, I suppose, is actually supervisory technology. Um, and I think what's really quite compelling about having those two together is actually the cross-fertilization between the reg tech and the subtech. So what we see in the reg tech ecosystem and actually what that informs and enables us to think about what we might want to seed and explore from a supervisory technology point of view. Um, and then there is a very, very big and very important kind of change agenda behind that. So the FCA obviously published its second data strategy last year. We've talked uh, externally about kind of the change and transformation we're going through and the role that data and analytics and technology and innovation play in not just fostering and enabling that change, but then getting that change to stick. Uh, and, and and be really transformative. And I think the role that kind of colleagues in my team play as part of that is really profound. And then where we're located. So as I said, we are located in the innovation division. So my sister department is Innovate uh, for all the you know clear fintech fans listening to the podcast today. Um, so that kind of uh, location is really important in having that kind of split, of, that blend of skills, that blend of experience and insight. I think that makes it a really compelling for me, a very compelling place to work. Very good. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for coming back to the show. Uh, and finally, and uh, I mean, no stranger to innovative regulation. In fact, actually, she founded a business that's actually called that part of her name. So definitely lots of in it. We have Joanne Barefoot, CEO and co-founder of Alliance for Innovative Regulation. How are you doing, Joanne? I'm doing great, David. It's great to be back on the show. Yeah, great to have you back. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, tell us a little bit more about the Alliance for Innovative Regulation. Absolutely. So we are a nonprofit organization. We're based in Washington, D.C., but we have a global scope. And we started it up to help the financial regulatory sector modernize and digitize and keep up with technology change. I'm a former bank regulator myself in the United States. I was deputy controller of the currency. And uh, it became clear to me several years back that uh, we're undergoing a transformation of the financial 
market through technology and that we probably would not regulate it well, not that that's anyone's fault, but just that the regulatory agencies are not built to deal with such uh, rapid and transformative change as what we're undergoing. So we uh, work with regulators all over the world. It's great to see you again today, Francesca. I think we were on the phone earlier in the week, if I'm remembering right. And uh, we do everything from convening people, particularly trying to bring tech people to the table in regulatory discussions. We put out white papers. We put out a paper last year called our RegTech Manifesto, which we intentionally gave a provocative name in hopes that it would draw people to it. And uh, then we are doing a great many uh, tech sprints, regulatory hackathons, which, as your listeners might know, is a a form of regulator uh, innovation for themselves that was invented really by the FCA a few years back. We've done two in partnership with the FCA, and we've done eight overall. And uh, I'll probably talk about them more as we go through the show because they are a great way to get the regulators and the innovators to the table together to work on concrete problems and get people rapidly educated and build an ecosystem. We also, I just should say, we have a podcast show, Barefoot Innovation, uh, and we would love for people to come and find that. Sounds good. Uh, available on all podcast stores now. Uh, I should say, I mean, never have I felt more underqualified to run a panel of group of people who know everything about this industry. So I'm going to be throwing you the questions, guys, and you guys are going to be running uh, running this one, no doubt, in terms of where we're going. But um, the whole show is going to be about progressive regulation. And I think actually maybe that's a great place to start. So maybe starting with you, Joanne, like actually, I mean, how do you really sort of define progressive regulation. We've talked to a lot on this show in the past really about it being the the cornerstone, the the sort of real um, accelerant for all of the change that we've seen in the industry. But, but to your history, to that background, I mean, how would you go about defining it? So I love the fact that you framed this program around progressive regulation, which is not a way that people usually talk about it. And I think of it, it's not just progress. It's really, truly transformation. The regulatory system is at an inflection point, dealing with the exponential change underway in the industry and also the opportunity to adopt these technologies for themselves and accomplish things that they've never been able to do really well. And again, I'm not criticizing regulators when I say that, but, you know, they have analog tools and They deal with small amounts of information and they deal with slow information. They deal with periodic reports and so on. It's different around the world, but all regulators struggle with these problems, nor do they have depth in understanding new technologies like AI and uh, blockchain and so on. Most of them don't. So what is happening now is that regulators all over the world are trying to figure out how do we keep up? How do we prevent harm from coming into the system, coming with new technologies that may destabilize financial systems, may harm consumers and so on, but also how do we get the benefit of new technology to the marketplace so that everyone can have better, cheaper, faster financial services? And I'm very optimistic that... um, regulators all over the world at different paces, but nevertheless, they're beyond the tipping point 
in most places of really adopting technology to to pursue an agenda of progressive financial regulation. Yeah, and as you say, I mean, I think that um, you know that that tipping point, uh, you know, it's it's not been instantaneous. This hasn't been a uh, you know, the entire world has gone from doing it one way to another way. I mean, Francesca, the, uh, really, I mean, even with the FCA, the FCA, this has been a process, hasn't it, really? Probably, you know, 2008 onwards, we've seen a sort of a change of tact. A, a lot of that down to really the, the sort of change in mandate, probably driving a lot of that with regards to sort of the competition mandate. Um, but what, what do you think on that? What, what would be the under that umbrella of uh, progressive regulation? So I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. And when I was kind of reflecting on this session today, I think there's that duality about the kind of the regulatory framework. And I think for the FCA, the driver around that competition objective has been profoundly important in creating the space for the activity, particularly around the kind of fintech agenda. Um, but I think there is also something about kind of as as Joanne touched on, you know, it's one thing having that space and I think it's then it's the another thing is how you respond into that space um, and I think one of the things certainly from kind of my neck of the woods in, in in the FCA is really thinking about kind of the uh, and the curiosity of understanding what what is the wider ecosystem doing how are they doing it what can we learn from that what's really interesting and helpful and I think if I go back to kind of the early days of my sort of team's work you know a lot of kind of the the genesis for some of those supervisory technology proof of concepts that we were keen to explore came from what we were seeing actually in the reg tech ecosystem um, and not only kind of the capabilities that they were deploying but how they they were doing it. So working quickly, accepting kind of failure, being able to kind of turn off a project actually if it wasn't if it wasn't going in the direction you thought it was going to go going to and giving you the outturn that you were thinking it was going to give you really rapidly. Thinking about the skills that you needed. How did you blend your kind of technical capability with your with your business change, your SME, your domain expertise? Thinking about how the culture you wanted to create, that fail fast, you know, innovative, a pacey culture. And I think what's quite interesting about the FCA is it has very deliberately got an innovation division. It is not seeded throughout the organization. And I think what that means is there is a space that certainly potentially looks and feels different uh, in in terms of the way we engage, tech sprints being one, um, how we engage, you know, putting out reports like the one we put out uh, a couple of weeks ago on our lessons learned from the digital sandbox pilot. We were... I think, you know, we were pretty warts and all about what had gone well and what had not gone well. And I think that's really important to be transparent about, you know, in this space where we're trying something new for the first time, this was what was good, but this is what wasn't so great, right? And this is what we want to do differently. And this is an opportunity. And I think that kind of, I think, the as you rightly say, David, the frameworks for creating that space, but then the behaviors that operate within that, I think, um, is what enables it to potentially continue to be progressive, I think. Could I just jump in on that? I want to mention that we at AIR have just released a, a, a white paper that looks at the FCA's innovation journey and tries to share with others how did they do it because they are a world-leading regulator for sure. So, and it's... Careful, speaking, you're, you're making Francesca blush. They can't, people can't I know, see it on the I podcast, know. but I like... Uh, can't resist it. 
But um, it's really, we tried to capture these intangible factors, the warts and all thought process she just described. And especially for regulators in the audience, I would really recommend that you take a look at it. It was written by, we had a former regulator uh, write it for us. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that level of transparency and openness, I think, is a big a big part of it, isn't it? I mean, Dennis, you're obviously you know mock standard chartered, but before this, you know, you were at Garanti Bank as well. I mean, the the last ten years of of how regulation has really sort of changed in the market, uh, you know, it's quite quite a significant move, isn't it, from the regulators being there to sort of enforce the law to the regulators really ch- sort of changing the way the dynamic of of the relationship is. Yeah. Um- that, that that's correct, actually. You know, the, the the interesting thing is, you know, um, I should say, you know, one thing, you know, which is super important. You know, I'm sure, you know, um, all you know the, the fintech fans, you know, they are going to you know understand this. We built this bank on a sandbox in Hong Kong. So imagine, you know, two years ago, two two and a half years ago, we started to you know build this bank on a sandbox, and we deliver on that sandbox. I'm not talking about you know one small service, one feature, one functionality. I'm talking about an entire bank. I'm talking about treasury, liquidity, rec reporting, financial ledger, product ledger, everything, credit services on this sandbox. I think when you when you talk about you know progressive regulation, I mean um, I'm not a I'm not a regulation expert, you know, as you know, but you know this is progressive regulation for me. This is all, but of course you know this is one side. The the other side is. You know the, the, that transparency, you know, between the, you know the, the, the regulation and the, the the fintechs or you know the, the the financial companies are super important. And my experience, you know, with HKMA in Hong Kong, you know, I'm I've been sharing this, you know, in everywhere. And starting from license process, um, we work, you know, very closely, like you know, one team. We always, you know, discuss you know the details. Starting from day one, I was told, actually, I was, you know, asked by the regulator that how many reg tech, you know, am I going to, you know, use, you know, in my tech stack? Okay, so this was the question. And for me, there is no fintech without reg tech. There is no new digital bank without reg tech. So impossible. We have to, you know, understand this because we can't build everything. And these reg tech companies as ecosystem, we have to, you know, understand how can we facilitate, how can we, you know, leverage, you know, their power in terms of many things, you know, we can talk about, you know, people, skill sets and everything, but, you know, we have to, you know, use them. And when I look at it right now, I'm using, you know, five different reg tech companies in this, in this bank and five different, you know, reg tech companies. You can imagine, right? You know, we started, you know, with POCs. But that sandbox, you know, help us, you know, to do all these POCs, you know, very quickly. And we delivered the bank, you know, in 536 days. Yeah. With, you know, five red tags. And, and the, the most important thing, you know, for me, you know, these red tags, for example, you know, there are a lot of, you know, different markets. But in Hong Kong, for example, onboarding a customer, it was a big pain point. I'm sorry. And we, we can see, you know, similar things in even in UK, even today, you know, with some traditional uh, players, right? And today I am onboarding, you know, my customers. I'm talking about 110,000, you know, people. I onboarded them average time, like, you know, six minutes. And I give them, you know, a card, credit line and everything in six minutes. One of our customers, you know, it's a record time. He onboarded himself in three minutes, 46 seconds. You know, David, I tried it. I couldn't manage, you know, I, I did it maybe in <laughs> five minutes. So so imagine we, we, we couldn't do this kind of things, you know, without a rec tech approach. Yeah. 
Well, like you say, it's it's at that point pulling together different things, isn't it? So it's uh, and it's amazing to be able to do that in so many different broad ecosystems. I mean, I mean, Francesca, we we talked a little bit about this, you know, this sort of change really sort of we talk really about London being the the sort of epicenter for for this and it's rolled out. But, you know, you guys, I know, are, are having lots of different conversations with people all over the world now. You know, the FCA are not just working in the UK, but you're working everywhere and and sharing the the sort of journey, the impact, the way in which these things can be done. So, uh, I mean, this, this doesn't really just sort of feel like... Um, uh, a single city change or even just a single industry change, but actually much broader than that in terms of it's a it's a world change, isn't it, in terms of how financial services is being thought about? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of kind of ways of bringing that to life, I suppose. I mean, I mean, Joanne's touched upon the tech sprint tool. I think you know, they are hackathons, they are regulatory hackathons. The fact that we can't, we don't call them regulatory hackathons and tech sprints, I think tells you still quite a lot about kind of, you know, risk thresholds and kind of, and language and culture. But I think the fact that now, actually, if you look across the world, and actually really excitingly in the US, amongst the US regulatory community, tech sprints are proliferating. I mean, we've seen three at least this year, I think. We saw a few last year. Um, the Biz uh, Innovation Hub and G20 won uh, um, across a lot of last year. And I think what I think I find really exciting about that is that a tool that, yes, okay, we kind of pioneered, but it's got a life of its own now. It is being embraced and it is being used and it is being used in ways that, you know, potentially we didn't necessarily imagine. So the duration of them, the kind of who they're being engaged with, how they're being used, um, I think it, it shows a kind of a willingness to embrace new ways of doing things by regulators. So I think that's kind of a, fair, a, a one indicative way of how that kind of um, – the contagion, the positive contagion effect, if you like. And then I think the second is I, I have the privilege of chairing the Global Financial Innovation Network's RegTech and SubTech Workstream. And it is one of the most vigorous work streams within the GFIN network. We has got a significant population. And what we have seen so much actually over the last year is that SubTech as an area of interest has really flourished amongst the regulatory community. They are really keen to understand how do we get that cross fertilization from the regtech fintech ecosystem? What can we understand and learn? What can we deploy against our own pain points, our own kind of use cases? Um, how can we learn from each other? How can we, you know, leapfrog and continue the kind of the pace and the agility of what's going on? And I think, you know, if we kind of go back to the premise of progressive regulation, for me, it is about the agility and the pace and the evolution of that. And that, I think, is what has the potential to be so tremendously exciting is where does it go? Where does it go next? What is the, what is the potential that kind of comes from it? Um, what might we see other regulators doing that we as the FCA can learn from, right? That we look at and go, oh, I wish we'd have thought of that. That's really, really cool. And I think that's, that is really what's quite exciting about seeing people go, oh, actually, yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, and I want to be jealous, right? I want to look at others and go, why didn't we think of that? Because mm. I think... But it's... Um there's something nice to that, though, because it becomes a community of people moving the agenda forward. And that's uh, that's not a competitive thing. That's actually it's in the exactly. in the interest of everybody around exactly. them for, for doing those things. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, jo Joanne, I mean, you've looked at this from in multiple geos. I mean, maybe if we start with the US, 
I mean, no, I know from uh, conversations I've had with people like Matt Homer in the in the past. You know, there's different states taking different approaches to it. I think the uh, DFS in New York are, are pretty progressive in terms of the things that they're looking at doing and the ways that they're uh, looking at sort of progressing the agenda. But maybe if we start with the US as a as a view, but then broaden that out to your work internationally. I mean, it must be very interesting to look at the market that you're you know you're like, look, this is going to change. But seeing all of these markets at different levels of maturity must be must be fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah, the US, of course, has a uniquely complicated regulatory structure. We have five national agencies that directly supervise banks, for example. And uh, so doing anything in that kind of a fragmented environment is challenging, although they are they all have innovation programs now and they all are increasingly working together. And then of course we have our 50 states and they play major roles, including they're the primary regulators of fintechs that are not banks. So it's a lot of challenges. You're right that New York has been a leading uh, state as you would expect. California also, as you would expect, has a leading uh, set of regulatory initiatives underway. They've even renamed their supervisory agency uh, to put the word innovation in it. Um, we Interestingly, the state of Wyoming, which is a state with a very small population in the Rocky Mountains and has a part-time legislature and a very small regulatory agency, <clears throat> they have adopted a strategy to be a globally leading regulator for blockchain and cryptocurrency. And so they're, they're doing all kinds of really fascinating innovation there. So through this sort of a process, we're working our way toward trying to get the best of all worlds from the different types of innovation that are going on in different places. We have had a lot of innovation from the organization that coordinates the states. The Conference of State Bank Supervisors is creating what they call a federated supervision process. I think that's the term. I just did a podcast show on it and um, trying to get uh, coordination. I'll just also mention very quickly, with our new Congress and our new administration in the United States, there's also a lot of significant skepticism about the benefit of fintech to consumers, more so than I think was there before. And, and fintechs in the U.S. should be expecting a lot more regulatory scrutiny and, and innovation at the national level. Just last night, a major bill passed the Senate that will have a major impact on uh, lending fintechs. So I think it's important for the industry to be really paying attention to the policy issues that are developing and being ready to show, here's how we're helping consumers, here's how we're making services more affordable, more fair, uh, more inclusive and and so on because we're we're setting into a, a volatile policy environment in the U.S. and then globally, just real quick. So the FCA and MAS in Singapore have kind of been way out front, and Hong Kong has been way up there. Australia. If I start to name too many names, it gets awkward where you cut them off. Um, but then we're increasingly seeing the global bodies, Francesca mentioned um, BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, and the G20 did a really important tech sprint last year. I was a judge in that one. And so there's, again, there's just a really big global movement toward all kinds of fascinating innovation going on everywhere. 
And, and I guess, Dennis, from, from your perspective, we touched a little bit on the work that you've been doing and actually the, you know, that move to the, the virtual banking licenses in, uh, in, in Hong Kong. But, but that, again, that, that change of bringing a regulator into the process at, right at the beginning of the thinking, the shaping, et cetera. I mean, that, that sort of journey, you know, the, them being together in the journey, that feels like a very different type of relationship. So, I mean, how has that come about? Because you, you spent quite a long time in uh, Hong Kong now. Again, is that is that almost a evolution of the, the role of the regulator in the, uh, the, the Hong Kong market? Um, I think uh, in Hong Kong market, you know, what we see, uh, HKMA is always, you know, uh, open-minded and, you know, they are open to, you know, conversation. I think, you know, that's the main thing. Um, evolve, yeah, I think, you know, I can't, you know, talk about, you know, the evolve thing, et cetera, because, you know, they are putting, you know, all the new things, you know, all the time. Just two weeks ago, um, I was invited, you know, to a, uh, to a big, you know, discussion uh, in HKMA about RegTex because, you know, they have enough special program, you know, to support, you know, the, the RegTex in Hong Kong. And to be honest, you know, as a part of this, you know, we are discussing, of, of course, you know, our business, you know, we are discussing all these things. But at the same time, as a digital bank, as a new bank in, in Hong Kong, we, we, we brought, you know, five new, you know, RegTech companies, you know, from different, you know, markets, you know, to here, right? And this is a very important thing, you know, that we are helping, you know, to this market, you know, to create, you know, the, the, the right ecosystem. Um, in, in Hong Kong, you know, I see Hong Kong, you know, it's a bit different because Hong Kong has a role as an East and West connector. Okay. When I say East and West, I mean, um, there are a lot of, you know, different, you know, hybrid, you know, approach to here. And you can see a lot of, you know, different, you know, companies, you know, that you can combine. Um, together and you can create, you know, different values. And of course, you know, uh, Hong Kong, 7.4 million, but just next to us, you know, we can talk about, you know, GBA area, a greater Bay area of China, which has, you know, 75 million population. And if you think, you know, all these things, you know, reg tech, it's becoming, you know, more important. And the action points of, you know, the, the regulatory bodies, uh, they are also, you know, changing. Why? Because in this kind of a region, you should also, you know, think about, you know, interoperability of Rectex. I mean, you know, we have to, you know, think about all these things because all of us, you know, of course, you know, um, we are thinking, you know, about, you know, thinking, you know, for one market, you know, sometimes. Um, I had another responsibility, you know, previously, you know, before this job, and I was covering, you know, 32 markets, you know, from Singapore, and I was, I used to work, you know, with MAS there. But, well, how, who is going to you know, create this interoperability for the companies, for the, 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 the regulatory rules and frameworks? So all these things are becoming also important. To be honest, we can also you know, work with you know, HKMA every day. And thanks to them, you know, to be honest, you know, super, super open. We are designing you know, many things you know, together. But what if I want to you know, um, port my services to another you know, country in this region? So is it going to be uh, easy you know, for me you know, to go there or am I going to you know, explore everything you know, again and again? And we know the answer, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that is an interesting challenge. I mean, Francesca, obviously, the FCA work very closely with uh, MAS, with HKMA, with various different regulators. In fact, actually, the the uh, bridges that have been sort of created between different geographies have worked across governmental side of things as well as regulatory side of things as well. I mean, how important are those for uh, almost import, outport, uh, export of, of good ideas and structured way of working? Because again, it, it feels like that uh, 
you know, moving away from that, our one's better than your one to, you know, interoperability and, and, and community, really. I think that's a really important point. And I think, I mean, I mean, I mentioned earlier GFIN and the Global Financial Innovation Network. And clearly as part of that, they've been looking at kind of cross-border testing of, of, of uh, as a kind of a key work stream. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, Dennis, the points you were making about interoperability and um, one of the things that we, you know, are... Uh, sort of striving to do kind of, you know, GFIN is a fantastic umbrella for exploring and understanding, you know, you know, what are the opportunities? What are the challenges? What are the pain points? Where are the areas for collaboration? And I think, you know, what excites me about GFIN is, is to really push the opportunity for collaboration really kind of uh clear opportunities for collaboration as part uh, as part of, and practical opportunities for collaboration you know one of the things i'm keen to explore is you know with our digital sandbox is there an opportunity there to use that as an environment to kind of collaborate and test and explore between different jurisdictions um and what does that look like because you know whether you think about data standards, whether you think about interoperability, that 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 ability, you know, in the, the work we've even done on kind of AML and financial crime and privacy enhancing technologies, all of this, I think, bottom line speaks to how does one engage across borders? What does that look like? How you know whether it is regulated to regulated information sharing, whether it is regulated to regulated sharing of supervisory technology approaches, um, whether it's about interoperability within the regtech ecosystem. I think that is that kind of coalescing of all those different points is becoming more and more profound from from my point of view. Definitely, I completely agree. Joanne, what do you think on that one? And then uh, actually we should talk a little bit about and where is not quite doing this. So uh, maybe uh, any thoughts on, on to round out that point and then uh, let's see where we go next. Yeah, on the geographic point, I wanted to say that an important phenomenon is that there is a leapfrogging opportunity that's being pursued from emerging market regulators. They have had hundreds of millions of consumers and small businesses come into their formal financial systems thanks to mobile uh, technology and mobile money. And they d have needed to figure out how to grow to deal with that without necessarily having the whole cost of adding headcount as you might in a, in a, a more mature market. And, um, so they are really developing some of the most interesting new ways of thinking about how do you have digital first regulation for digital first markets. And Francesca and we uh, recently cooperated on a, a tech sprint on women's empowerment uh, and COVID. And we're exploring maybe doing another one that will focus on emerging market uh, opportunities. So I wanted to say that. And the other thing I wanted to say real quick is interoperability we think when you said who's going to build that, Dennis, we are working on this at AIR through open source. There, you can't make everything work that way, but we've set up an accelerator in GitHub. And if you can begin to get tools built on an open source foundation that any regulator can use for free, everyone can access it, everyone can improve upon it, everyone can vet it and find the problems with it, and then it build that over time, you start to get 
a foundation for an interoperable system where a lot of people are using common code at the foundation level. And then, as Francesca said, you have to build the standards on top. That's going to take a lot of time, but we do think that this might be one of the solutions for the sort of balkanized structure of the regulatory world. Mm, That's really interesting. Um, Right, we're going to have to take a quick break, but we'll come back to that point in a second. 11FS is sponsored by Temenos. Join C-level banking executives, rising stars of fintech and industry influencers at the Temenos Community Forum online on the 26th and 27th of May. TCF is the industry's premier event, bringing customer insights, key announcements and the latest demos from Temenos direct to your screen in this two-day interactive free-to-attend event. Hear from inspiring speakers from Temenos' CEO to industry changemakers like Barclays, Varro and PayPal as they share their best practices for digital transformation. Search Temenos TCF online 2021. Trust in financial services has been increasing, but with trust in technology companies decreasing and the pandemic accelerating the shift to digital financial services, it's more important than ever to actively build and maintain trust. In association with MyTech, we've launched a report that explores the current trust issues facing financial services brands and how they can be overcome. Head to bit.ly forward slash digital trust report 2021 to download it now. Okay, just to pick up where we were then. So we, we've talked, look, this has all been really positive so far, like, but but where is this not going so well? Because like, I, I actually think, um, you know, really post financial crisis, the world, the world sort of took two different options. Like there was loads of different countries that took a, okay, let's open up the markets, let's create some more competition. But really, I I'd, um, I was I'm quite surprised, Joanne, you, you pointed to Australia as a market that has done this quite well. Because I personally, I'd sort of say Australia and Canada took more of an approach of sort of closing down the market a little bit, protecting larger organizations. Um, and because of that, I think stifled really a little bit the, the sort of innovative landscape that sort of happened in those spaces. But um, that might be me getting it wrong. What, what do you think? I think that's really interesting. I think the securities regulator in Australia, ASIC, has been notably forward-leaning. They're using AI, for example. They have been for a long time to monitor market conduct, that type of thing. But um, I haven't heard anyone say, and I hadn't observed what you just said, but it's very interesting for sure. Australia was early in like having a bridge to the FCA and that type of thing. They've, they've had it on their agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean it in any, you know, big disservice. I think it's um, I think it's more of a if your approach is around um, sort of maintaining the same businesses rather than uh, creating competition, because I, I still really think the the benefit of all of this, if I'm honest with you, is not about fintech or if it's about, you know, big banks or whatever, like really. Um, I think it's about the, the choice that consumers have at the end of it. And actually competition changes that dynamic so dramatically because whether it's the big players or whether it's the new in, you know, new players coming into the market, they all have to vie for customers uh, more significantly, whether that's pricing, whether it's service, whether it's whatever, like so. But and that's so important. I think it's almost the the most critical thing to to success from a customer's perspective is is ultimately choice, right? So, um, 
I guess um, just sort of touching on that, Joanne, then, I mean, is there any other geographies? Because you said you touched a little bit on sort of the developing market, because obviously, whether it's places like Africa or whether it's places like South America or uh, even actually, um, you know, real regulatory change that we've seen in uh, markets like India, actually, we've been able to see almost overnight like you say, leapfrogs in uh, capability from an entire jurisdiction perspective. And actually, if you think about, you know, those three places that I've just listed, that's roughly half the planet from a population perspective. We've just covered right there. So, you know, the ability for regulation to uh, really be a catalyst for change in those markets is massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And um, a lot of it comes down to cultural readiness. And also a lot of it comes down to readiness to use data. You know, we have completely different data regimes around the world. If you divide it between, say, the U.S. and Europe and China, you'd have three completely different philosophies on allowing use of data. And um, that's partly a cultural and legal structure, but that has a lot to do with how we're going to get it right to, to make fintech really good for consumers and uh, and not harmful to them. I do think that a lot of regulators have a bank-centric starting point. You know, the bank regulators kind of dominate. Here's how we should do things. And they some regulate fintechs as well as banks, but some don't. In the United States, most of them don't. And, um, you know, I'm again, I'm a former bank regulator. You know, it's a feature, not a bug that they are risk averse and careful and slow and deliberate, you know, that's the way they're supposed to be. So there's a lot of countries that are really struggling to keep up and even to understand the necessity to keep up, keep up. I think that people are beginning, there's a whole group motivated by hope um, that we can do better. And then there's another group that increasingly is motivated by fear that if they can't keep up, really bad things are going to happen on their watch. And that also is is motivating a lot of change. Uh, but it's very uneven. It's going to take a long time. It's difficult, isn't it? It's always that uh, that balancing act, isn't it? It's um, fear of change or fear of things not changing, you know, and uh, that uh, that balancing act, depending on what impetus you've got, is um, is really challenging. Maybe if we look at this from the other angle then, I mean, and obviously, I mean, Francesco, over the years, we've had many people from... Uh, who've taken part in things like the the FCA sandbox on the show, the sort of consistent thing that they've wanted, you know, and, and needed from the regulator is is actually um, somebody to just listen uh, really early on. Um, and actually, that's something that I think has really been so successful from the, the processes that you guys have, have put in place is being able to very early on in the journey have conversations with people in a way that uh, wouldn't be either a, an oversight to the process or a or something that comes so far down the line that causes it to to be sort of so out of kilter for a, for a startup. So, I mean, that again is, um, to, to Joanne's point, that's a, that's a change of tact, isn't it? You know, for an organization that's used to be doing supervisionary of what you've done to then be involved in a ideation workshop of uh, what could be done is, uh, is quite different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's so important in a, in a couple of ways because a I think as you say it speaks to kind of how we are structured. So having a very 
clear space in the organization where those ideation conversations happen. But I think it also, it's about what we learn as a regulator from those conversations through the range of innovation offerings. So, I, so And what I mean by that is the reason why we went after a digital sandbox is because the feedback we were getting, particularly from RegTechs, was we do not have a space to sh- collaborate with industry and show them the value of our offer. We don't have a way of saying this is where you could plug it in and interrogate it as part of your overall systems. To your point, Dennis, about the kind of proof of concepts and testing and exploring. But also, we don't have the data. We haven't got that scale, the funding to get access to data to help us test and iterate and evolve. We only know that because we were having really open conversations where we we were asking for feedback, but also we were open to criticism actually in some ways of your tech sprints are great but bluntly they only take us so far so if you really want to be helpful could you do this as well and so I think it's 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 what what we learn what we learn from those conversations as well as regulators to say you know in the spirit of progressive progressive for me is about movement it's about travel it's about keep you know keeping on evolving keeping on adding value you only learn that if you have the if you have the right conversations and you're open to those conversations i think yeah, I agree. I mean, Dennis, you've been on the other side of this. You're working with HKMA to put these things in place and along. I mean, what was the what was the driver there? Like, say, you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier on in terms of actually, you know, you you decided to do this in in Hong Kong. Actually, Standard Chartered have multiple regions with all of these different spaces that you could have approached it, but the the sort of fruitful ground was there to to do this in with HKMA and do this in Hong Kong. Was the regulatory side of that? a big part of that draw? Uh, obviously, because uh, David, you know, you know it, right? You know, when we look at, you know, fintechs or challenger banks in the UK, the triggeration point was not the, maybe not the regulators. You know, they started, you know, their business you know, on their own and then, you know, they approached, you know, the regulators, right? Here in Hong Kong, it, it the story is different because regulators said, we are going to issue virtual banking licenses in Hong Kong and we are inviting everyone who wants to you know, create you know, this kind of things. Of course, you know, in the very beginning, you know, it's super difficult also, you know, Francesca, you know, explain it, right? You know, for the regulators to set the scene you know, properly because from starting from you know, data to a lot of areas, you have to be careful as a regulator as well because you should you know, manage you know, all the risks you know, carefully. I'm a banker. I've been in banking you know, in the last 21 years. And to be honest, um, well, actually, I'm, I'm a banker, but I'm saying, you know, I'm in trust business. I understand, you know, technology. But the, the, again, you know, I'm, I'm coming back to, you know, conversation with the regulator, right? So MoxBank, entirely cloud native. We don't have any physical server. So we are one of the first cloud, entirely the cloud native bank in Asia. So, I mean, you have to have, you know, these this conversations, these discussions, you know, with your regulator. As your, you know, I mean, it should be like, you know, one team, you know, that's why I'm saying, you know, this should be you no know, one team. But on the other hand, you know, Hong Kong, you know, from Hong Kong perspective, you know, they help us a lot to set the scene. We help, you know, regulator to, you know, show the, the, the options, not the solutions. And with those options, you know, we decided, you know, which way, you know, would be better from different angles, not only from business angle. 
we are also, you know, taking, you know, a lot of, you know, risk frameworks, you know, we are thinking, you know, as a CEO, I have to think about risk, right? Now I can't take it, you know, only from business angle. So that's why you know, I'm looking, you know, from different, different, you know, perspectives. But what I, what I should say, um, uh, aside from all these things, if you are building, you know, organization, I'm talking about, you know, these big financial institutions and you know my background, actually I've worked with, uh, with many of them uh, in the past. And I'm still part of Standard Chartered. Uh, that's why I'm working with, you know, FCA as well uh, from my grandparent perspective. Um, but uh, the, 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 the thing is, who is deciding, you know, in, in your bank, you know, in your financial institution, who is deciding for reg tech investments? Who is deciding, you know, for the journeys uh, in your bank when we think about, you know, KYC? KYC is only about, is it only about, you know, onboarding your customers or is it the journey starting from onboarding and continues, you know, forever to that you need, you know, step up, touch, talk, you know, in, in this journey, right? So do you, do you have enough this kind of people who is deciding, you know, all these reg tech investments is, you know, your CRO or your CIO? I think if you are leaving, you know, all these decisions only to your CRO, only your head of compliance, only your CIO, you are doing a big mistake. You know, this agenda should come from CEO to down. I mean, this should be, you know, like this, you know, otherwise, you know, we can't talk about, you know, Rectech. Yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? I think as technology is becoming almost the entirety of any business, you know, particularly in the financial services sense, then then actually, to your point, Dennis, it's not about KYC, it's about identity. And identity is a an underpinning pillar of everything if you're going to do it correctly. And not just from a financial services perspective, but, you know, broader into society as well. So it's, uh, it is fascinating. And, and I really think the, you know, in terms of the, the things that you're touching on there, then actually, I mean, it isn't just about being in a situation where, uh, I mean, I, I often ha- relating this to to any good relationship, right? You know, anybody listening to this, us all, you know, doing this now, you know, a good relationship is a an open dialogue. It's not about being in a situation where you get told off for doing something later on. It's about an open dialogue of what things could be and how things could be set up. I mean, Joanne, is is that what you're sort of how you're seeing that relationship change between the players in each of the market and the regulators in each of these markets? Is that that open dialogue really? what's it seems silly doesn't it like actually the key to all of this is communication but uh uh is that is it as simple as that yeah i mean that's i think there are two things that drive acceleration in this space one of them is experimentation and testing which does not come easily to regulators as francesca was saying but the other is high high collaboration if you want to go faster you have to talk to more people get more perspectives get people out of their silos and uh, this is happening all over the world with the because the technology is the same. The, the what the market is using and what the regulators need to use is the same underlying technologies and, and a lot of the same tools, as Francesca said before, reg tech and, and soup tech, supervisory tech are two sides of the same coin. And so we need to be able to make them fit together and really work. And I'll just say, too, that um, Again, the FCA sort of pioneered this, did pioneer this. Machine-readable and machine-executable regulation are coming. I just met yesterday with a U.S. regulator that is tag- creating its taxonomy of its rule book and tagging it electronically so that a fintech will be able to 
use technology to find out what applies to my company out of all this stuff I'm supposed to do and and what does it require me to do that's very well along and even machine executable regulation where the in some places the regulator would issue a block of code that when plugged in can produce compliance instantly sounds like a dream wouldn't work for everything but that is on its way and it's all coming from this highly collaborative uh, process that you're talking about yeah i mean that, that sort of alludes to a, to a point joanne around sort of different approaches different regulators as well right some some have more of a uh black and white rule book and and some have more of a uh, a shades of gray approach to those things and it's interesting to see in different markets how those things have, have sort of developed and played out but uh i mean what what do you think in terms of the the structure for that oversight then? because really i mean Look, the industry is changing so fast, you know, actually technological advancements, you know, Dennis, you're talking about KYC and cloud, you know, and, and Francesca, I know with people like Oak North, you know, the, the FCA have worked really closely uh, to get cloud deployments working in a completely different way as well. So it's like the industry is moving so quickly, you know, fraudsters are moving so fast, technology is moving so fast, innovations are happening so quickly. I mean, how the hell do regulators stay ahead of that curve? Like, uh, I'm sure this is something, Francesca, you must be thinking about on a daily basis to to like, how do we keep up with all of these advancements? Uh, I'm sure I could recommend a podcast to listen to uh, just in case you were worrying uh, about staying abreast of all that stuff. But above that, Francesca, like, like what, what do you, how do you stay on top of the industry? So I think there is a really important sort of conversation to be had is, is to whether actually we can ever stay. I mean, I think you said stay ahead of. Is it realistic for regulators to stay ahead of the curve? Probably not, actually. Um, is it, is, should we strive for keeping pace with what is going on? I think that is probably more, more realistic. Um, and listen, there are uh, ways that we strive to do that. And I think... Um, and uh, sorry, there's so many thoughts going through my head that I kind of want to share. So I'm just trying to sort of sequence them. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, you know, so one of the things that my team do, it, it, and, I, and it goes back to collaboration, but collaboration in a, in a broader than regulatory sense is who are we speaking to? You know, we are, we've been having conversations and, and, and fora towards the end of last year around quantum computing, for example, talking to academics across the UK about the future of quantum. What does it mean for us as a regulator? What do we need to contemplate? What are the implications for what we might need to do? What, you know, how are, how firms might be engaging with this? What does it mean from a competition point of view? I mean, all of these things are about contemplating the horizon, right? And that horizon is probably coming to us much faster uh, than we think. So what does it, what do we need to be thinking about or talking to our colleagues internally about that? So there are ways at which we can kind of engage from that point of view. I think the intel that we get and the insight that we get about who is using what technology to what end, what does it look like? What does it mean? What are the implications of that? What do our, what do our supervisors need to be thinking about in terms of reg tech solutions? How do we engage and educate them and, and, and contemplate some of that? And then I think, you know, uh, Nick Cook, who was the inaugural director of innovation at the FCA, kind of said one of the things he said in one of his early speeches was, is a success of my role that I am, that, that, that there is no longer an innovation division in five years' time? Um, and I think what he means by that is actually, should it be the warp and weft of what we are about as a regulator? Should it be in our DNA as a regulator that, you know, 
that we are digitally native, that, that you know, what we contemplate at, at, at first principles starts from a point of view of, of understanding tech, understanding kind of uh, what does that mean from a, from a regulatory position. And I think all of these things are really interesting things to contemplate and consider and, I, and, are, and, are, and are quite challenging. And I think, you know, as a regulator of four and a half thousand, we've clearly set out our stall kind of with the data strategy. You know, we've had a lot from our CEO, Nikhil Rath, about what he what he envisages around uh, a regulator of, of fit for the future, um, and there are there are a lot of challenges that come that come with that. And I think the role that we play as a kind of an innovation function in terms of helping the organisation see the horizon and see what's coming down the track is one part of that. Mm. I think it's um, I think it's so fascinating. I mean, I think uh, we probably should have scheduled around about seven hours to have this conversation because of all the different things. But I think that I think that points really heavily towards. I mean, this is never going to be done, is it? This is a journey. This is not a this is not a transformation in the way that it will be done at some point, and then we're doing it in a new way. It's about the the regulators, startups big incumbent organizations learning that actually this is a, a constant evolution and will be continually evolving the the technologies and the opportunities and everything that really some, comes to the market. So um, fascinating. Thank you so much for your insights, guys. Really, really appreciate it. No doubt we will come back to this topic and, and delve into it a little bit more. But unfortunately, that's all the time we've got today. So, so that does wrap up our discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people learn a little bit more about you, Joanne? We are at regulationinnovation.org. And I will say, if you go to our website now, you'll find that we last week uh, were recognized in the Fast Company World Changing Ideas Awards, which we're very excited about. Uh, And I'm on Twitter at Joanne Barefoot. Very good. Uh, And Francesca, where can people learn a little bit more about you and the FCA? So if you go to fca.org.uk forward slash tech sprints, that will take you into the world of uh, reg tech and innovation. And uh, for fintech enthusiasts, our, our innovate pages are where you need to go. Very good. And Dennis, where can people learn a little bit more about you and Mox? Moxbank.com. And of course, now I'm on LinkedIn. They can find me on LinkedIn. Very good. As for me, uh, I'm found lurking mostly on LinkedIn these days, uh, bleating on about injections that I don't want to have and all that type of stuff. Uh, But you can definitely kind of find me on there. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you do like what you've heard, then subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review. It super duper helps other people find this show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on pretty much every social media channel at this stage. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider. Or if you'd like to complain, then uh, then just send an email to podcast at 11FS.com. It's just always interesting to see what we get, really. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.